get to the questions. Mr. Ramaswamy, if elected, what would you do on your first day in office? I'd like to begin by not answering your question and instead use this platform to say, her daughter is on TikTok. Keep my daughter's name out of your voice. <laughs> Almost said that right. <laughs> Almost had it. Oh, Saturday Night Live once again proving that they can find a good concept for a sketch and not much beyond that. The, the, the open was great. Like, I thought, oh, we're going to get into the debate. They're going to make fun. It's going to be good. And then it was just, you know, it was. they did what SNL did. They took a funny thing and they made it less funny. But they did have a couple of moments, a couple of moments in that opening segment that were at least okay worth playing on the air. Mr. Scott. Anything you'd like to add? Uh, I have a girlfriend. <laughs> okay. Uh, listen, about her, she is real, and I know her, and she is my girlfriend, and we met through dating, and for her, I feel a real sense of human love. Got it. <laughs> I mean, come on. And also, you know... Pretty good impression of um, uh, Tim Scott's vocal stylings. Uh, of course, they had, uh, you know, the the whole point of the sketch was to give you the setup to then have the Trump guy come in because he is one of their best impressionists uh, that they've got. They found a really good guy to do Trump, so. Can you believe it, folks? 91 indictments, four trials, and I'm still the best choice. <laughs> now they're all stuck behind me and there's nothing they can do about it, just like in real life. 3%. 8%, 14%, 5%. And how about poor Tim Scott, huh? 1%, very low. Lower than, frankly, milk. <laughs> Apparently, there's a milk lower than 1%. People are calling it skim. We've never had it. We don't drink it. But we like skim Scott. We love him and his girlfriend. Not a lot of chemistry between those two, right? Skim Scott, 1%, very low. <laughs> Something even lower than that. Now, of course, the um, the news is that you heard top of the hour, and you probably heard last night if you're the kind of person that pays attention or you're on social media, is that, uh, and then there were four. Or if you're asking NBC, and then there were nine. I'm really not sure. NBC this morning is kind of funny because after Tim Scott announced that he was no longer going to run, he went on the wildly popular Trey Gowdy Sunday night Fox News show. <laughs> Look, I mean, look, Trey's a former congressman, very influential person in D.C. once upon a time, um, and he's on, you know, our partner network for news, but um, it, it's it's not prime time, exactly. You know, it's not the Sunday morning shows when that's when you would, if you're going to make a big announcement, he just kind of went on a, all right, I'm going to talk to Trey, and we're going to get this over with. When I go back to Iowa, it will not be as a presidential uh, candidate. I am suspending my campaign. I, I think the voters... Yeah, and I'm probably not going back to Iowa either. <laughs> not anytime soon. But uh, so it was interesting because uh, NBC this morning was running a a graphic of all the people that are declared in the 2024 field. And at first, I thought, oh, this is a graphic of everybody once upon a time, and they'd like X them out or this something like that. But no, these are they didn't do anything like that. So they have Doug Burgum still in, even though he did not qualify for the debate. He's not officially out yet. Um, Chris Christie, of course, Ron DeSantis. Uh, Nikki Haley, Asa Hutchinson, who's again not officially out but hasn't qualified for uh, one, two, one, one, I guess, debate. Um, Larry Elder, who has dropped out. Donald Trump, who of course is never going to drop out. Uh, Francis Suarez, who's dropped out. Vivek Ramaswamy, who's still in. Mike Pence, who's dropped out. Perry Johnson, the who? I mean, no, seriously. He's a businessman and author. And um, 
you know, even though he has red hair, I don't know him. And then uh, Will Hurd, who's a former Texas representative. I Okay, I didn't, you know, I mean, I pay pretty good attention. I didn't realize it. And several of those people were still in. So, no, we're at four. We've got Chris Christie, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Nikki Haley, and uh, Ron DeSantis. And really, Chris needs to get out. And frankly, Vivek needs to get out. And when they do, then we'll have the two viable non-Trump candidates. And maybe, I mean, probably not, but maybe you could even have a debate with uh, Trump, Haley, and DeSantis, and you could actually have a meaningful presidential debate. We'll see. Uh, you know, I'm not holding my breath exactly. But here's where, I don't know, SNL just went so wildly wrong in their open. Of course, this is Saturday night before the announcement yesterday that Tim Scott was getting out. So, you know, they're getting in their shots before he leaves, right? Um, but this, the Trump impressionist was talking about Vivek Ramaswamy in the sketch, and he said this, and this is one of those, like, you know, just when you think a sketch isn't all that funny, it really goes off the rails in terms of what it's actually trying to say. And how about Vivek Ramaswamy? We like to say Ramaswamy. But do we like him? He makes it hard, doesn't he, folks? This kid, he checks a lot of boxes. He's rich. He's rude. He's got weird hair. He's a lot like me, except for one thing that matters a lot to my horrible, horrible base. White. Sad. He's going nowhere. So you thought the joke was that Trump supporters are all racists? Which is kind of weird because Vivek Ramaswamy was the guy the Trump supporters like the best. Typically. Out of the candidates that, you know, they're not going to vote, if they're not going to vote for anybody else, they kind of like him because he's the most like Trump in demeanor. He's the most like Trump in terms of his political story, which is, you know, business, not politics. Um, he was clearly the one most eagerly auditioning for a shot at something in the cabinet or the vice presidency. And weirdly, he's one of the four surviving, although five you'd have to say at the time, given the benefit of the doubt, they didn't know Tim Scott was going to drop out. Um, he's one of the five finalists for the job outside of Trump. And three of the people on stage qualify as what you might call minority candidates. Tim Scott's a black guy. Vivek Ramaswamy is an Indian guy. And I mean, India, the country, right? Um, and Nikki Haley is an Indian woman. Double check mark. So the GOP and even the Trump base is actually the ones that don't have a problem with race this time around. <laughs> you know, right? Who's up for the um, Who's up for the Democrats? Well, it was you know white guys. I mean, barely another white guy besides uh, President Biden. But you know, it's a it's a weird shot to take. Since, and I mean, I don't want to get into the extended analysis of how comedy goes wrong, but comedy is supposed to tell the truth in a way that makes you see it funny, makes you see your own perception, your own experiences, your own beliefs in a, you know, a humorous way, right? That's, it's supposed to see truth that way. Well, when comedy lies, it stops being funny because it's just wrong. And criticizing the Trump voters because they're racist when in the current situation, they're really definitely not racist, is kind of a, well, we just wanted to be able to call them that, you know? 
So big misfire for uh, S. I mean, I, I know, you know, how, how much can you be surprised, right? You know, fool me 14 times and shame on you, right? Uh, it's 518 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. The um, Egg Fest was great over the weekend. The Veterans Memorial Parade, uh, Veterans Day Parade on, uh, sorry, not Memorial, but the Veterans Day Parade on uh, Saturday. Uh, I was thinking about Veterans Memorial Park. Um, Veterans Day Parade on Saturday, great. Uh, the the, uh, the presentation of the park. I did not, I was, I was I had to pick up a son who was at the uh, UWF Maker Fair. And so I was kind of like in the area, but I wasn't actually at the event. Um, it's actually kind of cool. I saw um, some, uh, I, I don't know if they were ROTC or if they're trainees, but they were marching from the park west to, I assume, their, where their buses parked or whatever. And they were doing cadence along the way. And I'm like, ah, I love this town. <laughs> like, it's, it's just not the kind of thing that you see everywhere. It's just very cool. 519 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Port of Pensacola is more than just a name. It's a powerhouse of economic opportunities, a strategic location that sparks growth and prosperity, contributing significantly to the local and regional economy with 23 incredible businesses that call this port home. Big names like C-Max Materials, GE Wind Energy, and soon the prestigious American Magic Sailing Team. Since 1754, the Port of Pensacola has been the driving force behind Northwest Florida's economic success. Explore more at portofpensacola.com. Do you struggle with occasional nerve aches in your hands or feet? Try Nervive Nerve Relief from the world's number one nerve care company. Nervive tablets contain alpha-lipoic acid to relieve nerve aches, weakness, and discomfort, plus B-complex vitamins to support healthy nerve function as you age. Live life with less nerve discomfort with Nervive Nerve Relief. Learn more at NerviveHealth.com. And try Nervive Pain Relieving Cream to block nerve pain signals at the source. Use as directed. Here's what's happening around Pensacola this week. It's another gallery night in Pensacola on Palafox. Friday night, join your neighbors for another fun night downtown. See gallerynightpensacola.org. The Fall Pensacola Food Truck Fest at Community Maritime Park is Saturday. Enjoy the live music, bounce house, culinary competition, family fun. Come hungry. Apexshowsandevents.com for more. Find more events and submit yours at newsradio923.com. The Dave Ramsey Show, weeknights at 7 after Pensacola right now on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Remove the earth, woman. Prepare her for our pleasure. Forget it, Ming. Dale's with me.
Yeah, that's a pretty good game. I mean, I, it, I didn't think it was going to go quite the way it went, but at that point, you had Florida State pulling ahead, and uh, you know they're playing. Of course, they were playing Miami and pulling ahead in that one to thir- to twenty to thirteen with the thirty-eight yard run by Trey Benson. Uh, it goes around to the right and goes all the way to the left, doing the old uh, Lightning McQueen serpentine S route. It was kind of wild to watch it, actually, but uh, that put them up by seven into the third quarter, about halfway through, and then. A little bit later on in that same quarter. Uh, sorry, early in the fourth quarter, my mistake. Third straight, three and out for Miami. Fourth of the game. Good punt by Joyce Coleman. Made the first field miss. Keon Coleman. The punter awakes. And took him down. Dylan Joyce saved the touchdown. 57-yard punt return on a three-and-out by Miami, and they follow that up with a nice little six-yard reception by Keon Coleman in the end zone. While being mugged. Even while being held, he caught it for a touchdown. There is the flag. Yeah, but that was on the defense. 27-13 at the point, and they went on to win that game, FSU. Uh, Probably going to hold. I actually didn't check the standings yesterday. I assume that they're holding steady at uh, number four, so they're in the playoffs right now, and... um, God, I can't remember. Are we doing eight this year? I, they keep changing it, and so I keep forgetting how many are actually making the playoffs this year. There was a bit of controversy in that FSU game, though. <laughs> oh, relatively early in the game, about two minutes left to go in the half, FSU, Jordan, Travis, near their own goal. I mean, they've gotten pushed back. I think they're on about the, I don't know, 10 or something like that. And in the snap, he runs kind of backwards and around to try to make some space. First penalty. On Florida State, Miami has been assessed three. Travis, forced back, got it in trouble, and taken down to the end zone. Sacked at the line, at the, the end zone line. There. The officials are conferring. There hasn't been a signal yet, but from here it sure like looked like a safety. The ruling on the field is that the ball was in the field of play. The So they go to replay, and while all the other millions of us who were watching this game think, oh, yeah, FSU just got safety. He definitely got tackled with the ball over, I mean, not even like on the field of play side, but it was definitely, I mean, if it was going the other direction, it would have been a touchdown, right? In Well into the uh, end zone. No, 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 he was in the field of play. So it was just a sack. So it was not a safety, which would have given Miami two points at the time, would have made the score 10 to 9 and given them back the ball. Um, you know, here's the, here's the thing about that. Um, I know the Miami fans were losing their minds over this, and I know people have raised this as a big point of controversy. And I'm not an FSU fan, right? I'm, I'm an Auburn fan, so I got no dog in this fight. Um, but I will say this, and, you know, bear with me because hypotheticals are what philosophers call counterfactuals in sports are always hard to play out. Um, FSU subsequently had to punt the ball, and Miami got it back in better field position than they would have got off of a safety kick. Yeah, they're missing the two points, but then they couldn't do anything with it anyway. So it's, you know, I'm. it's a hard sell to me that that made a massive difference in the game. It could have. I mean, it could have. Maybe they would have been inspired at that point with points on the board. Um, but, you know, it's a hard sell that that was the big difference maker, even though it was clearly a blown call. I mean, 100% obviously a blown call. 525 on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. Uh, David Wayne's in the newsroom this morning with our headlines. David? Moody's Investor Services is cutting its outlook on the nation's credit rating to negative, and that's down from stable. That change 
was uh, made on Friday, citing high interest rates and doubts about the government being able to implement effective fiscal policy. Moody's still has the debt rating at triple A. Moody's thinks that the U.S. is not capable of solving its financial problems? Where would they get that idea? I don't understand this conclusion. It's almost like they've been, you know, watching the government. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like they've got a subscription to the news site. It's It's weird, yeah, Yeah, right? Bizarre, isn't it? Uh, Donald Trump Jr. is back on the stand today as the first defense witness in the Trump Organization's civil fraud trial in New York. Lawyers representing the former president will start their defense today. And uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says there could be a deal in the works to free more hostages held by Hamas. He was on NBC's Meet the Press. He didn't go into any details, of course, saying there was a better chance the less he says about it. Yeah, it was it was actually a really interesting interview. I cut a lot of clips from that particular interview yesterday. Um, it's one of those weird ones where, you know, Kristen, Kirsten Welker is... Um, I mean, she's not great at what she does, unfortunately. Um, I was actually trying to think of who I do think is great at what they do these days in the news. Mm, I don't know that that's a wide field. Um, But it was one of those things where they got Benjamin Netanyahu. You know, you scored. Big interview. I mean, this is, you know. And and then you kept him on for like 25 minutes without asking him a lot of new stuff. You know, you kind of like, like she had her, her set of questions that were the first set. And they got through those and they gave all the answers. And then she's like, Oh, crap. I got eight more minutes of this. <laughs> what do I do? Mm, I will keep asking him the same stuff. Meanwhile, reminding him of how short on time they kept getting. And I'm thinking, you're hoping, because it wasn't like the, the back half of the interview was just so repetitive. Anyway, um, yeah, she, so he says his answer to all this was basically that they've got, they're, they're close to a deal because of the ground invasion, because that's put pressure on Hamas. Let's talk about the hostages. There are reports that there is a possible deal that would involve getting out women and children and the elderly. How close are you to reaching a deal to get more of the hostages out? Well, Kirsten, I can say that we weren't close at all until we started the ground operation. In fact, we we heard that there's an impending deal of this kind or of that kind, and then we learned that it was all hokum. It was nothing. Hokum. But the minute we started the ground operation, things began to change. So is there a potential the deal, pressure, Mr. Prime Minister? Is there a potential there, deal? There could, there could be, but I think the less I say about it, the more I'll increase the chances that it materializes. And it's a result of pressure, military pressure. You know, I'm going to work to save my people instead of giving you the interview you want. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I have a job here, and my job is not to make your job good. Uh, David, thank you so much for the update. I appreciate it. Uh, Five twenty-eight on News Radio ninety-two-three. Yeah, um, obviously the perspective of some in the news and some in the public and Israel in the news and, and what I what I think you know very different. But his the the argument that he kept making during this interview was we are protecting civilians. You know, because she wants to say they're they're killing civilians and that they're destroying hospitals. And you've got you know the hospital in Gaza is like the in Gaza City is the big news over the last news cycle is you know all the horrible things happening there. And and he says, yeah, you know, we wanted to get all the civilians out. You know, like we wanted to actually give them you know fuel so they could run their hospital. And you know they said that wouldn't work. And that's where they they embed themselves. The terrorists hide out. In the hospital on purpose. We wanted to create a separate field hospital so that they could move the civilians to that, and they wouldn't go for that. And then when we try to get the civilians out of these areas, um, you know what Hamas does? They fire on the people as they're fleeing because they know that that's their only protection is to keep those people. You know, it's kind of like fire, firing on deserters leaving the front lines, and you know Hamas knows that the civilians are the ones that they need to keep around. So it's just, you know, it's 
you do really have to pick and choose who you believe. You know, who do you trust? Who do you, who's whose story makes sense? And you know, for me, I don't know a hundred percent, but when I hear Benjamin Netanyahu talk, what he says matches the facts that I see on the ground, matches the facts that I hear from being reported, and makes sense. You know, holds up to me as a you know debate evaluator and a logic professor. When I hear the other side talk, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't hold up, and it seems to be contrary to everything else we know. So I choose who to trust. And you have to to choose some side of who you're going to trust in these things. And, you know, for me, at least so far, and historically, I would choose the Israeli perspective. It makes more sense. Fox News. I'm CJ Papa. Day 38 in the war between Israel and Hamas. Fox's Trey Yanks in southern Israel. Overnight, the Israelis ramped up their airstrikes against the northern and central part of Gaza. Into today, they're still striking the northern part of the Strip. Some of that black smoke rising from the Gaza skyline. The Israelis working to support those infantry troops that are pushing deeper into Gaza. The U.S. military with airstrikes on facilities in eastern Syria used by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard. A senior U.S. official says six to seven Iranian proxy fighters were killed. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott stops his run for the White House. The lawmaker was near the bottom of the GOP pack with uh, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. And Donald Trump begins his defense today in the $250 million civil trial, fraud trial brought against him by the New York State Attorney General. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 531 at News Radio 92.3. Right now we have 59 degrees. It is partly cloudy skies right now in Pensacola. After months of drought conditions, we are now set to get some much-needed rain this week. At Tuesday through Thursday, we could see anywhere from 2 to 4 inches of rain across both Escambia and Santa Rosa counties. And we'll uh, get more on that with our weather forecast in Channel 3 in just a couple of minutes. Big turnout Saturday for the Veterans Day celebration on Pensacola Beach. And there were hundreds of people out there, and that was despite that threat of rain on Saturday. Uh, There were hundreds of people at the parade on Pensacola Beach. Colonel Allison Black was the parade's grand marshal. There were also other guests that spoke at the uh, ceremony, including a World War II vet, Lieutenant Leonard Schultz. A Pensacola man now facing several charges after a high-speed pursuit. This was with the Florida Highway Patrol on Saturday. Troopers say they attempted to stop a vehicle for speeding and traffic violations. The driver took off at a high rate of speed. Eventually, troopers used a pit maneuver to stop the car. They say that driver attempted to run on foot but was apprehended by a canine officer. 35-year-old Lebron Britt was arrested and charged with several violations stemming from the chase, also possession of cocaine with intent to distribute. Britt being held on $70,000 bond at the Escambia County Jail. Marco Rubio says he believes Iran's attacks on U.S. troops will continue to escalate. Senator Rubio was on Fox News over the weekend. He said Iranian groups are attacking U.S. soldiers. He says the pace is increasing. Rubio also says he believes that before long, it'll expand beyond just Syria and Iraq to target U.S. forces in the UAE, Kuwait, or Jordan. Escambia County deputies say they're looking for a missing pregnant woman. The sheriff's office says they're looking for 25-year-old Takara Olissa Jones. She was last seen on Sunday. Jones described as being 5'4", 130 pounds, pregnant with long braids. The sheriff's office says she was last seen driving a silver Kia Forte. 
There is a photo of the missing woman on the Escambia Sheriff's Office Facebook page. And if you have any information on where she is, contact either the Sheriff's Office uh, or or uh, or Crime Stoppers. And uh, it is 534 News Radio. Let's get a look at our Channel 3 forecast. We will have a nice day today with a small chance of rain. 20% overall with a high near 69 degrees. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping near 57. Rain chance increases on Tuesday with an 80% chance of showers. Wet day ahead with 61 degrees for your high. Tuesday night, temperatures dropping near 59. The wet pattern continues into Wednesday with another 80% chance of rain through Wednesday afternoon. 64 degrees for your high, 61 for your low. Stay connected to Channel 3 News First Warning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Warning Weather Center. It's 59 right now in Pensacola, 60 in Gulf Breeze, 59 in Milton. Your next news at 6, breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. Local news with News Radio's news team. I'm David Wayne for News Radio 92.3. I'm Steve Taylor for News Radio 92.3. I'm News Director Joe Ford. Local news radio is so important because during major events or emergencies, you may not always be near a TV. Your phone and internet may go out. But radio is easily accessible and often the first source for information you need to know. On News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Hi, I'm Billy Anderson with Anderson Subaru in Pensacola. From our spectacular beaches to the miles of rivers and unspoiled forests, the Gulf Coast offers some of the best family adventure around. And the Subaru Crosstrek and Subaru Forester are the perfect family vehicles to explore every dune and unpaved trail in Northwest Florida. Both come standard with sure-footed symmetrical all-wheel drive to take you deep into the wild places you love. The Crosstrek is powered by a 182 horsepower Subaru Boxer engine that adds plenty of go to any adventure. And the Forester boasts 9.2 inches of ground clearance to get you through every wilderness challenge. There's more than enough room for your gear and plenty of options to make the Crosstrek or Forester fit your lifestyle. In a Subaru, the destination is the journey. So grab the kids and the dog and follow your own path to adventure. Love is out there at Anderson Subaru, Highway 29, just north of Car City, Pensacola, on Online at AndersonSubaru.com. Anderson's got a Subaru for you. Rumors of Fleetwood Mac, the world's finest tribute to Fleetwood Mac, returns to the stage in 2023. A brand new show celebrating the very best of Fleetwood Mac. A unique opportunity for fans both old and new to rediscover the songs and performances that have ensured Fleetwood Mac's place as one of the most loved groups of all time. Personally endorsed by Fleetwood Mac founding member Mick Fleetwood. Live at Pensacola Sanger Theater on November 22nd. The ultimate tribute to Fleetwood Mac. Tickets are on sale now from Ticketmaster.com. As a business owner, you have a lot on your plate, from managing staff, growing your business, training new hires, and more. With so much going on, you need Avalon. As an IRS-certified PEO, Avalon HR can help from running your payrolls, remitting state and federal taxes, helping with COVID employee retention credits, workers' compensation insurance, employee benefits, and their HR expertise. Avalon HR lets you focus on your core business while we handle the rest. Avalon HR, employing made easy. The Pensacola Expert Panel, Pep Talk, 9 to 11, before Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. I never meant to be so bad to you. One thing I said that I would never do. From you and I would fall 
Giles, it's up over the top. Safety's coming. It's too late. Leggett. John Giles scores. It's Leggett. Excuse Leggett, me. Yeah. That is Leggett. Nice I apologize, catch, yeah. Tate and Leggett. What a great throw and what an even better catch. 24-yard pass. Pee Wee Jarrett to Caden Leggett early in the game on Saturday. UWF taking on Shawan at home. The key back to pass. More pressure coming. Are they going to get three in a row? No, he's going to chunk it deep. And the defense is back there. It's going to be a pick. Tipped by Virgil Lemons, taken by Amari Mitchell. Mitchell's on the run across the midfield. 40, 30, to the 20. Can they trip him? He stays on his feet to the 10. Oh, my gosh. He's still going inside the 5. They finally get him down. I thought Amari Mitchell was going to score on the craziest return I've seen. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Is the right 62 word. yards on the pick, almost six, down to the four-yard line. But, of course, Jamontez Woods was there for the next play. They'll run it inside. Jamontez Woods puts his head down, pushes the pile. He's going to get into the end zone as everybody does a little bit of that tush push. Yeah. <laughs> and Woods gets another touchdown. I don't know why, but it always makes me laugh when Will Kennedy says the uh, the tush push. So, anyway, there you go. UWF up 14 to nothing. Uh, Child comes back on the very next play. One play from scrimmage after the kickoff. They'll start at their own 25 for their second possession. High snap. McKee pulls it down. He kind of gets chased out of the pocket. He's looking to throw. He's got a man. He hits him. This might go to the house. Ralph Ortiz trying to catch the receiver. He's not going to. Tyree Holloway and Coach had talked about this. Coach Nobles, they've got playmakers. They can make some big plays, and they make one, and the crowd's kind of like, what just happened? Exactly. 14-6, uh, to six, they whiffed on the uh, point after, so they got a 75-yard pass. First play from scrimmage, Schwan did. So that made it 14-6, to six, but, you know, that was that, – I mean, that, that was it for them for the whole game. Pee-wee's back to pass. Looking deep. Going over the top. He's got a man. Caden Leggett again. Touchdown, Argo. Caden Leggett for his go. second of the day. That made it 21-6. to six. You got a 41-yard uh, Griff Sarah field goal, 24-6. to six. Now into the uh, late in the second quarter. They've got a man open in the end zone. Hangs it up there. John Giles this time makes the catch. It's a touchdown, right, Argos. A little double move out of John Giles there. A little post-corner route. So, John Giles gets in the game. That was 18 yards and uh, three and out a minute. And, and sorry, not even a minute later on the clock, they get first play from scrimmage, UWF. Back to pass on first down and looking way down the field. Jarrett unleashes one. He's got a man. It's Caden Leggett. It's a touchdown. The Argos add on. Leggett with his third of the day. Ridiculous. Jarrett to Leggett. They are on fire. 65 yards, 10 seconds of possession for UWF. Oh, you can make one play count? We can make one play count. Uh, 38 to 6 at the time. Then they got uh, off of a uh, off of a punt. They got kind of an amazing, oh, sorry. No, they, they had the ball back toward, <laughs> right in the beginning of the, or the middle of the third quarter. And Jalen Busey got a 67-yard uh, run that weirdly should have been a touchdown because he fumbled it right at the last minute and then was picked up by one of our guys in the end zone, but they didn't make the call. And it, the game was so out of control, they didn't even bother going to review for it. Uh, Daryl Garcia, four-yard run, follows that up, 45-6. to six, And UWF late in the third quarter. They didn't even score in the fourth quarter. They didn't bother. 16-yard uh, Pee Wee Jarrett to Jacoby Quillen, fourth guy to get, get a touchdown on the day. They'll hand it off. Garcia dances around, gets into the end zone. Ah, should have been Jalen's touchdown. Daryl will take it his first of the season. Good for him. Good for the Argos. They. Oh, sorry. That's the uh, Daryl Garcia one. Here's the last one for uh, Jacoby Quillen. So Pee Wee comes back. Just the one play for Mike Rich. Brings John Giles inside. 
And he's firing down the middle of the field. Has a man. It's a touchdown. Jacoby Quillen. And we're doing the gritty <laughs> in the end zone. A third different wide receiver gets in on the act today. 52 to 6. Um, <laughs> they're ready for the postseason, I would say. Uh, so, yeah, uh, UWF just dominating over uh, Chuan on Saturday and uh, getting ready to go into the postseason here. UWF is in the playoffs for the fourth consecutive season. Going to Delta State. So it's a big game. This is a hard game. They're a very, very capable opponent, and we'll, um, we will hope for the best away. But, you know, this is what UWF does year after year. So not too bad uh, for Caleb Noble's first year as a head coach and getting back into the playoffs. Love to see it. 542 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Um, a couple of military notes that are uh, – I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Okay, I know we have a lot of military, uh, you know, who listen at this time. It's y'all, you know, y'all are heading over to the base, you know, now or within the next hour anyway, and um, you know, so I, I pay a little bit extra attention to military stories at this time of day. But uh, I will tell you, I saw some that are, I, I don't, you know, they're not good. Okay, they're just not good. Unfortunately, um, the Navy is trying to improve the uh, self sufficiency of its littoral combat ships which uh, the LCS, or as some people call it, the little crappy ship. This is the ship that uh, we built at two different Navy yards, you know, two different uh, fleets, the Independence and the uh, Freedom class, you know, one at Austell here and one at, uh, I was Ingram, I guess, is the other place they built them. Anyway, um, originally what they had uh, intended was that the LCS would uh, have a small crew and then the Navy would, like, basically fly contractors around the world to fix them, do the maintenance is the way, you know, it's been reported by Navy Times. Um, what they discovered is that uh, flying contractors around the world to do routine maintenance on the ships left crews without the know-how to do it themselves, which makes them vulnerable. And, you know, when the ship can repair their own crew, that, repair their own ship, you know, that's that's better. When the crew can repair their own ship, that's better. Um, a GAO report of 2021 found that they were vulnerable. And so because the original manufacturers, Austell and Ingram, were the only ones who knew how to fix certain ship systems, anytime you don't have enough of those people working at those places, now all of a sudden who's going to fix the ships? that are, let's just say, not awesome to begin with, okay? So they used to do about 95% of maintenance on the independence class variant um, as of 2020, and now what they're doing is they're transitioning to teach the sailors how to do the work. Uh, Navy maintenance teams, at least, are doing 60% of that work, um, which to me is a good thing, okay? That's actually a good news note. The not-so-good news note is when you start to think about this whole class of ships, um, the, the, there's just no good way to say this. Um, when you look at the number of ships that we have put into the fleet and then retired already and decommissioned, it's crazy. Um, so the odd numbers are the, I always get this backwards, but the odd numbers are the, um, uh, the Marinette Marine, Lockheed Martin, that's the uh, freedom cl- freedom class, I believe. The independence class are the Austin ones, okay, that are made here. Of the odd numbers, LCS 5 Milwaukee has been decommissioned um, 2015 to 2013, uh, 2023, so eight years in service. Eight years for a warship. The four, which would be the even numbers, uh, 2016 to 2023, so seven years in service. The LCS-9, Little Rock, 2017-2023, six years in service. Just decommissioned within the last few months, actually, all three of those. Um, <laughs> LCS-1, the Freedom, was from 08 to 21, so 13 years. LCS-11, the Sioux City, was from 2018 to 2023, so five years. Um, 
you've got a couple more being made in each one. You know, just they're kind of different in each case. But um, in the independence class, two have been decommissioned: the Independence and the Coronado. Fifteen years and um, uh, let's see, eleven years and uh, seven years in 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 service. Excuse me. Fifteen are still in. One's fitting out. One's are under construction. So, I mean. <sighs> It's a boondog. I mean, it's just, it's crazy what's happened with this class of ships and that they were ever made. You know, meanwhile, what you see so much of in the military these days, in my opinion, as an outsider non-expert, okay, is we have things that work and we stop building those or we're not doing much to build those. And we try some new thing that we think is going to be, you know, wonderful like the LCS or, you know, in the Air Force, you know, we're, we'd stop building the A-10 and, you know, we'd, we'd start building the F-35 and... Uh, there's been issues, right? And so the same thing, like the Arleigh Burks are just fantastic. And I know they're different kinds of ships for different kinds of missions, but like, you know, that Arleigh Burke is killer. I mean, that's a great ship, right? And then you got hull cracks and drivetrain issues in the uh, LCSs. Here's the other part of this. Here, here's the other, this is this is the one that's like the extra, this was extra disappointing to me. And I kind of read the same, the two stories within a day or two of each other. And I just, it kind of, it got up on my nerves. Um, you know, we're de- we've deployed the, uh, the Gerald Ford. Right, that's part of what's over in the Middle East. It's in the Mediterranean. The brand new, you know, electromagnetic catapult system, way over budget, way over time. I mean, it was supposed to be ten and a half billion. It ended up costing thirteen billion. You know, fifteen years after its naming, um, it was delayed for forever and ever and ever. Right, and then I read this line, and this was from uh, Aviation Week. Though it has advanced capabilities such as the new electromagnetic catapult system and improved weapons elevators. It is not yet able to bring on the Lockheed Martin F-35C. That's the carrier variant. You know, there's three variants of the F-35. There's the A, which is the Air Force variant, the normal, you know, long runway, no-tail hook variant. There's the B variant, the vertical takeoff and landing that the Marines use. And then you've got the C variant, which is, you know, bigger. It's got more wingspan. It's just, it's, it's odd that they built all these, but they did. And, um, and that one's got the tail hook. It's meant to go off the carrier. Apparently, and I tried to find a lot of information on this, and I was only able to find older stories. I wasn't able to find, you know, great current stories. So I believe this still to be the case. But if anybody knows better, feel free to text me. The F-35C, our most modern carrier-based variant for naval aviation, is not deployed on the Gerald Ford. They have 18s, F-18s. And it all has to do with... um, Basically, there was a cost cap imposed as the costs were soaring, and the Navy in design traded the capability to handle the F-35C for other things, and the work to upgrade to that capability was deferred until after delivery. So they delivered the ship unable to take the most modern airplane. The This is a story from 2019. Last week, the Navy's top weapons buyer conceded that the Gerald Ford would not have all of its advanced weapons elevators working when the ship, ship left PSA in October. Not even all the advanced weapons elders work. Currently, only two of the 11 were working. This is 2019. And the ship has left the yard in the fall. It'll deploy with only some elevators working. Another story, uh, similar time frame, like from a couple years ago. The F-35C can operate from the Ford-class carriers, but at present, just for short times, the electromagnetic aircraft launch system advanced arresting gear are now certified for F-35C operation, the jet blast deflectors on the CVN-78 will need upgrades to operate the F-35 long-term, and this ship will require additional spaces and equipment that remain classified for full F-35 capability. 
I suspect these spaces and equipment are related to communications with the F-35 and the maintenance ships repair. So budget caps meant that they didn't deploy with the full capability to handle the F-35C. And just like, <sighs> I mean, that's super discouraging as a citizen, as a civilian, to see, you know, we're building this brand new aircraft carrier and we're building this brand new aircraft and, oh, oopsie, you know, we can't use them together. So the, the C is apparently deployed on other aircraft carriers that can handle it. But it can't. They can't really handle it, at least not long term, on the Ford. Is again the the best that I was able to figure out. This is after all the delays and after all the cost overruns on both platforms. Just it's it's it's, it's very frustrating. But I tell you because these are the stories that are out, and you know I don't want to be guilty of hiding something that I've heard and read and tried my best to understand. And so. There you go. 550 on News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. So when, you know, Governor DeSantis says we need to build more ships and we can catch up to the to China, I mean, that's optimistic, you know. I mean, maybe he de decommissions some, I don't know, you know, unmothball some ships. I don't even know if that's feasible to do. But um, you know, I'd like to see a better plan. And I would like to believe that what we're doing in procurement and design, development and, and deployment really makes sense. And I just see so many discouraging signs in that regard. Now, at the same time, the, you know, the Chinese have got their knockoff stolen F-35, which by all accounts is not even remotely close to our capabilities. So it is an amazing plane. It's just this is the kind of thing that will make you very discouraged about our ability to, you know, strategically develop assets that are going to make our uh, military that much stronger and be able to deter the Chinese, which is the ultimate goal. 551 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life, made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes. From loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors. People of every age and ethnicity because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources, and Services Administration. Advertising, marketing, digital marketing, these are words you hear a lot about. But what exactly do they mean? How do you get started? Where do you get started? Well, you can start by tuning in to the Pensacola Expert Panel this morning at 1030. Join me, Tasca King. I'll show you how to navigate the changing and fast-growing landscape of digital advertising. This morning at 1030 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 923 AM 1620. An affiliated insurance reminder that open enrollment for health insurance starts November 1st. This year, enroll in a Florida Blue plan. Get personalized support from an appointed Florida Blue agent. Their agents are trained to help you find a health plan that fits your lifestyle and budget, not theirs. It's about finding the right plan for you and not the pricing. Call 850-477-5840 to schedule an appointment with your Florida Blue agent today. Policies have limitations. Health insurance from Blue Cross Blue Shield, Florida, Inc., BBA, Florida, Blue. Pensacola businesses are estimated to lose over $20,000 to cybercrimes this month. 
I'm Nathan with Data Revolution, and this is your Cybersecurity Tip of the Month. Confirming any change to a financial transaction with a phone call can save time, embarrassment, and especially money when dealing with would-be criminals. Businesses along the Gulf Coast trust Data Revolution for their cybersecurity and communications needs. Visit datarevs.com for more information. Get ready, because the event of the Christmas season is coming back to the Pensacola Sanger Theater on December 2nd. The Prophecy Show, the music of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Don't miss your chance to see this one-of-a-kind holiday rock tradition on December 2nd at the Pensacola Sanger Theater. Tickets are on sale now for The Prophecy Show. The music of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Pensacola Morning News with Andrew McKay. Mornings 5 till 9 on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. I'm a single successful guy. And uh, this is my last year in school. I mean, this could be the best year of my life. I just feel like I need my freedom now, you know? Well, Brad, I hate to tell you, but you will not feel a whole lot better when she's gone. <laughs> 555 News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Somebody had texted in and said, uh, you know, Andrew, if you're feeling frustrated about things like the F-35 news and, the, you know, the Gerald Ford, imagine the sailors and Marines trying to function on the ship and protect our country. Oh, ab- yes, of course. Uh, and, you know, pardon me if I gave you the impression that the thing that mattered was my irritation as a taxpayer. Um, you know, obviously that's what matters, the ability to do the mission or inability to do the mission the same way. Um, but, you know, maybe by people like me raising the fuss and talking about it, um, maybe we do better. Then again, this has been something that's been in the news a lot for a quite a long time. So I, I, I would love to say I'm optimistic because I generally am about almost everything, but, you know, not about this particularly. 5.56 on news radio. But, and still worth saying, you know, we have the biggest, best, baddest military in the world. Um, but that's not a guarantee going forward if you keep making terrible choices. Right? I mean, if you keep doing bad things, eventually that that stops being true. And, you know, the Chinese do have a few more people than we have. You know, they, they outnumber us four to one. That's not something you can laugh at. Uh, David Wayne is in the newsroom with our headlines. David? President Biden is set to meet with Chinese leader Xi Jinping this week. They'll be meeting Wednesday in San Francisco at the Asia-Pacific Economic Economic Cooperation Summit. And uh, Xi is expected to speak to top American business executives there, as well as his first trip to the U.S. since 2017. House lawmakers considering a resolution this week aimed at impeaching Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, The measure is the work of... uh, Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene accusing Mayorkas of willful admittance of border crossers. Hmm. And, uh, of course, what seems to be the story of the morning, Tim Scott suspending his presidential campaign. I am suspending my campaign. I I think the voters uh, who are the most remarkable people on the planet have been really clear that they're telling me not now, Tim. And uh, that from his interview with Fox News on Sunday. (laughs) Which I, I... You know, so here's here's the here's the thing that that frustrates me is I hate political polling. I hate the idea that the main conversation we have is who's got the most support 
based on polling rather than who's offering the best ideas. Right. I, I mean, for years I have advocated what would be a patently unconstitutional law, uh, but still I advocate for it, which is I think political polling ought to be illegal or illegal to report on. Like we would be a better political system if we didn't have it. If all you talked about was who you thought was the best candidate and who had the best ideas and the best resume instead of, well, who can win, who's got the most support. I mean, you know, the the story right now, of course, is that Trump is so far ahead in the polls that everything else seems a bit pointless, right? But what if we didn't know? You know, what if you didn't know who was ahead in the polls and all you had to go on was record and speaking and all of that kind of stuff? But there is a side of political polling that does serve value, which is to get the candidates who have no hope out of the way. Because, you know, it, it disqualifies them from the debate stage. And then in Tim Scott's case, it's the, uh, well, the voters told me that now is not the time, Tim. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. Not now, so, Tim. Not now, Tim. David, thanks so much for the update. I uh, appreciate it. And by the way, I mean, Tim Scott's a great guy. He's a very capable senator. Um, he's an asset to the, the party and certainly to the country. Uh, but not now, Tim. <laughs> not now, Tim. You and your girlfriend can just go, you know, have, have, have your time. 558 on News Radio 923. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, the United Methodists have had another group of churches split off, including a mega church in, in Mobile of 5,000 people. That's usually about the 2,500 plus, something like that is usually what you start calling a mega church. So a 5,000 person congregation uh, in the Methodist Church in Alabama has now split off, which weirdly, I didn't quite realize the structure here because I'm not a Methodist, even though my, my dad's a Methodist pastor, still ordained, doesn't preach anymore. Um, that it's the Florida, Alabama is kind of the region. And you're now pushing not quite half of the churches have left over the issue of gay marriage and gay relationships. Um, by the way, the issue is whether they get to take their land and buildings with them. That's been the big sticking point. Listen on 